you hear me? I can hear you. Are we recording? Uh, yes. It automatically starts. And if I stop the recording before 30 seconds, then it throws it away. So pretty much every single episode, we do the same thing where I ask if it's recording and it definitely is. Yeah, right. It's always recording. Uh, well, I will suppose <laughs> every episode until I actually do this, I have to apologize for the lack of theme music. I mean, this is just, it's, it's getting really embarrassing at a certain point, isn't it? Yeah, it's not just your fault, though. It's definitely my fault, too. This is, yeah. um, I don't know, sometime soon I want to do an episode just sort of talking about commitments and my perpetual uh, habit of overcommitting. I don't think I'm overcommitting. I'm not intentionally overcommitting, but I am always overcommitting. I think my biggest problem is it's not even overcommitting that... I've been actually writing a lot lately, and which is great, but I have this hard time that it's like I just can't purely sit down and write. And it's, I think I'd be a terrible composer for like, you know, commercials or something like that because I can't just sit down and write something, you know, intentionally for one thing. It's like it just has to come to me. The inspiration just has to strike, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't know. But I'm sorry. I'm sorry we have no we have no theme music. Right. No yeah. theme music yet. Nope. But just our just our voices. We talk about it a lot. We do talk about it a lot. So maybe the our talking about it is just our theme music. That's kind of esoteric. Is esoteric the right word? I don't think it is. I don't think so either. But uh yeah. I use I I use that word an awful lot and I don't think I know what it means. <laughs> uh do you want the dictionary definition? Do you, did you just pull it up? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, there's a dictionary built into OS X, right? Oh, geez. I, don't, I have no idea. You can just type in the, in the spotlight and get the definition. Esoteric is intended for or likely to be understood by only a small number of people with a specialized knowledge or interest. I guess, I guess that sort of works. I suppose so. Well, so far we are a few minutes into this podcast and we still haven't talked about anything relating to music. Yeah. Aside, aside from our lack of theme music. So now, and now we're just defining dictionary words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll save that, uh, that over commitment discussion for another time. I think yes. we just want to do a quick discussion today um, with logic pro 10 out and pro tools 11 having been out for a little bit, just sort of a, a little discussion about the pros and cons of each one and what to consider. I think that's a good discussion. I promise that I'm, I, th- I feel like I was, I was awfully drunk last discussion. I thought it was good. I listened back. I thought uh, it was a lively, heated debate. Yeah, I, th- I, 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 I was afraid that it berated you a few times. I, I, I promise I'm not nearly as drunk this time. But throughout the course of this, I will be getting more drunk because this is a very technical-centric episode, which these always make me feel a little bit more dumb about myself. I don't think it's it's that technical. It's uh, mostly just I've been playing a little bit with Pro Tools 11, and I have been poking around just a touch in Logic 10. Um, so I just have a couple thoughts on each of them. Well, I like Logic in general. It's like I've, I've, I've that's actually one that I do use. I like Logic and I like Ableton, but I do like Logic. So I'm curious to know what they're uh, what they are. Yeah. You know. So, I mean, I, th- I think that what we're going to be doing here is one of my favorite things to do is we're going to be doing a little role-playing, Jeff. That sounds kinky. 
Oh, it's very kinky. It's gonna, it's, it's gonna get. Weird. I don't think it's gonna get that weird. Okay. But we are, but we are gonna be role playing. I am the one who is unsure of which operating or of which program to go with. Hmm. Um. Yeah. So I think uh, you probably fall squarely into the Logic Pro Ten category here. Why is that? I think you are the intended audience. Um. So first, the uh, the entry price um for logic pro 10 it's 200 bucks it's in the mac app store so if you want it you can go have it in like five minutes oh that's awesome um yeah it's it's just you know done you have it 200 dollars. and pro tools 11 depending on all sorts of stuff like if you're upgrading which version you have you can trade in cards and do upgraded cards and stuff um but if you're trying to get into Pro Tools, you are talking about seven, eight hundred dollars, uh, maybe more. That sort of price range. Why is it so much more expensive? So yeah, that, that's a really good question, and I think that um, that's sort of the next part of the intended audience thing is the um, the two applications from a developer side seem to be completely targeted at different audiences. Uh, Logic is really targeted at the prosumer, you know, you, the musician at home who wants a really good tool for, for composing stuff. Fair, but did you just use the word prosumer? I did. I hate that word, but... I've never even heard it. Really? No, that's a whole... Um, con- it's that like hybrid of like not quite production grade quality, but better than consumer grade stuff. Prosumer. That, that's an upsetting word. It's terrible, but it, I think it is the right word to describe um logic because GarageBand is really the consumer like oh this comes with every mac laptop right right i mean it works it's it does its job totally um but logic is the okay you know you've outgrown GarageBand and you want to spend 200 dollars and get some really killer tools some better instruments you know some editing capability lot i mean logic trumps GarageBand in every category and some of the new features in in Logic Pro 10, um, some of the, the way the plugins, I can't remember the name of the feature, uh, the way plugins are managed where you can have sort of global, um, a sort of generalized UI for plugins where you have one knob that controls several things in the background so that maybe somebody doesn't need to know the nuance of EQ or nuance I, of compression. Um, some of that stuff the built-in instruments, like there's just a ton of awesome stuff in, in logic pro. Um, a ton of awesome stuff. That's still very like easy to understand and easy to get around. Yeah, absolutely. I I think the learning curve, if, if you're somebody coming off of GarageBand, the learning curve for logic is not that steep. Um, that's awesome. So pro tools on the other hand is like, has always been, and I think will always be largely targeted at studios where if they are down, if they go down for some reason, the broadcast doesn't happen. The session gets canceled. You know, there's money on the line and there is support available. You know, you can, you can call avid, you can get support. Um, you can buy support packages from avid for it. But if something goes wrong with your logic session, like, who are you going to call? <laughs> Nobody. Yeah, you're kind of like <laughs> you're going to cry alone in your in your room. 
Right. And that's, I think, one of the really big differences and part of the explanation of the price point difference. Right. Um, right. You see with Pro Tools releases, I am perpetually frustrated because it seems like they are six to nine months behind Apple and Apple releases an operating system update. It, it, it seems like, and maybe it's not this bad, it takes six to nine months for Avid to get around to validating Pro Tools and saying, yeah, it works fine. Um, even though, you know, it probably worked fine the whole time, but they, you know, they, they're doing a compre- totally comprehensive set of things to make sure that there are no problems and that everything is sample accurate. Which is pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a mixed bag, right? Because I, I think a lot of times a prosumer, like logic is the right tool for me, but I've invested a lot of energy in learning Pro Tools um, because when I am working in a studio, that's the tool I'm using and I want to be able to bring that stuff home and keep, keep working on it with the same tool set. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, I mean, Pro Tools, I mean, it's, 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 it's all easy to learn. I mean, it's like, it is actually, it's like, I'm not saying that Pro Tools, you can just, you know, plug it in and, 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 and get on it, but it's, it, it just never, I've never really, aside from that technical support aspect that you said, I've never really found the necessity for it. It's like, it really just doesn't, like, there, there's no, bells and whistles that I've ever seen on Pro Tools that really make me think that that's what I need. Yeah, I, I think um, for what you're doing the vast majority of the time, you're right. You know, Logic Pro is the right thing. The one exception, it's sort of the same use case I'm in, is if you are working in a studio with somebody and for whatever reason, you just need to get into those sessions and do some stuff yourself, whether it's um, detailed edit notes, um, or, you know, trying to do edits yourself, like there, that's like the one use case where I could see Pro Tools really being good for you to have. But that stuff is so rare for you that it probably just makes more sense for you to pay somebody to do it. Absolutely, it does. I, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not even really quite sure why Pro Tools became the, uh, the standard bearer for studios in the first place. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a long history, I think. But it's there. It's established. Do you do you know what the long history is? I'm just curious. You don't. I'm not asking you to tell me what the long history is. Uh, but I'm, you know, I mean, they were they were there early on. Just in at the advent of computers, they had um, an application called Sound Designer, which is what Pro Tools became. Sound Designer became Pro Tools, and it, it was around from just a very very early stage. I'm not sure why it won out. I don't know if it was just the first to market plainly or if there was some technical feature it had that made it superior but that dominance was established many many years ago on the order of like 20 20 plus years ago now it's just history yeah it has nothing to do with being a better program it's just history well yeah i mean i think there are aspects that are better and there are reasons it hasn't been dethroned um but i think it would take something else being not only comparable but superior to pro tools to drive people away from it right and something like um something like live or something like i mean live is not comparable at all is it no not at all lives uh definitely targeted at a very different use case live is much more set up for performance of stuff right than it is for recording 
We have talked about that before. Yeah. But 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 there but there are programs out there that are comparable, but nothing has surpassed it. So it's just gonna it's always gonna stay in place. Yeah. And yeah. people are always gonna deal with all of the issues right. and all the lags and updates. <laughs> yeah. And on, people are and people are always gonna be mad at it, but it's just the way it is. Yeah. On the PC side, um, the Steinberg programs, Nuendo, I think, was really catching up for a while. Um I've never even heard of that. Yeah, well, you're not on a PC. Um, right. <laughs> and on the Mac, I think the, the closest Fair. thing to a real competitor on the Mac is Logic Pro. Um, so that's why we're talking about it. I like the fact that with Logic, I mean, Gavin, it's, I, I'm not really sure that it makes any difference to anybody, but I love the fact that with Logic, you can, I can just go to the App Store and download it. That seems like so fucking easy. Yeah, it's really wonderful, as, as contrasted with Pro Tools, where um, <laughs> when I upgraded my... Pro Tools 10 license to Pro Tools 11, I had to uh, download the iLock software update so that I had the latest version of the iLock manager on my computer so that I could push the new license onto my iLock. Are you familiar with what an iLock is, Keith? I'm not. You keep on saying iLock and I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, it's just a little USB dongle that has to be in my computer. A A USB what? Dongle. That's a made up word. For uh, sure. I think it's only used in the context of uh, USB. A dongle? Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, is it related to a dingleberry? I think that, no, it's not. I think the technical <laughs> definition is a USB device that does nothing except enable software features on your computer. Um, and that's not like a totally made up definition, but it's a. it's literally a, it looks like a thumb drive, but it doesn't, I can't put data on it it just stores the licenses for Pro Tools and my plugins. And if that is not in my computer when I start Pro Tools, Pro Tools won't work. That's hilarious. Yes. Yeah. They came up with that name. Yeah. So that's, it's the iLock. That's, um, so the whole process of even upgrading from an existing Pro Tools installation was a bit of a hassle compared to the App Store. Fair. I'm still stuck on dongle. Yeah. that's that that is that is simply amazing yeah i mean the uh the whole i don't think we should get into the whole anti-piracy thing and the reason they're using iLock but you can kind of see i mean apple's bread and butter is hardware right so right if if you lent me your app store credentials and i pulled down logic pro you know apple's out some money not that we would do that but apple would be out some <laughs> money but it's not gonna bankrupt apple and in fact i'm sure that happens all the time Right. Um, and I think they look at developing something like Logic Pro 10 as the cost of keeping people interested in their hardware and in their platform. Um, I, I don't know whether or not they make money or even break even on that stuff. But um, certainly you would think giving away like an operating system for $20 is no way to make money. No, it's not. Um, yeah, so... And and Avid doesn't have that, right? Avid is selling you Pro Tools, and there are what I think the I was listening to the Pro Tools Expert podcast, and I think they were estimating that there are maybe like a million Pro Tools users in the world. That's Which, a lot of Pro Tools user Pro yeah, Tools users. It's, it's huge, but if you think about like that's that's your entire base. Like how many Mac users are there? How many? Um, yeah, how many people are there that would? potentially be interested in audio stuff. I think it's a lot more than that. And they have a limited install base, so they've got to make their money on sales. 
Fair. Very, very fair. Well, you have completely dissuaded me from ever wanting to get Pro Tools. Ah, uh, that's too bad. There are some really cool new things. I mean, Pro Tools 11 brings some cool stuff to the table. It has, have we discussed this, offline bounce? Oh, they did that finally? It's there in 11, yeah. Um, you remember all those hours we spent sitting around in studios waiting for a song to bounce? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, the stuff I've done in Pro Tools 11 so far has been bouncing at like 25 to 30 times real time. So, you know, like 15 seconds for like a six minute song, something like that. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's it's great. It's so much faster. And, um, you know, when you, you finish the mix and you listen to something and, and when you're like that first time you listen back to the mix and you're like, ah, oh, I should have fixed that thing. Now I just, there's like no friction for me. I'm like, okay, I'm going to open it up and fix it because taking, you know, 20 seconds to make that fix, I don't then have to spend six minutes waiting to get the file again. It's like <laughs> 20 seconds to make the fix and 20 seconds later I have a file. Um, that has to be completely relieving to you. It's really, really nice, especially for, I've been editing this podcast in it and uh, I don't really want to have to listen all the way back through 30 minutes every time I need to make a tweak. Um, so it's, I mean, that's, that, that's a nice upgrade. I mean, it's still not an upgrade that's going to make me think about getting pro tools, mind you, but no. that is a nice upgrade. I think it's something that might keep people from leaving pro tools if they were already on the platform. I think that that is true. That is true because that was something that was insanely annoying. Yeah. And there are, you know, again, like crazy historical reasons that they never had that. But I'm glad they've finally gotten around it. <laughs> Crazy historical reasons. Yeah, I think it, it had to do with um, a, a bunch of things. They wanted the uh, the non-real-time render to be, again, sample accurate to um, to the real-time bounce. And that was a tricky thing for them to get. But also, you know, traditionally, Pro Tools has allowed you to treat physical hardware as external plugins to tracks. Um, and you know, if you're putting audio through like, uh, some compressor, you know, 1176 next to your computer, you can't go faster than real time. So the idea of doing everything in the box, instead of using the computer in conjunction with hardware in your studio, uh, kind of came late in terms of the development of pro tools. Hmm. Does that make any sense? A little bit. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm still stunned that it took them this long to have real time bounce. Yeah. Um, so I just want to say, I got two more points on pro tools and then Do I will let you go. Cause I have berated you with information on this now. <laughs> um, I'm drinking. I'm happy. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, one of the things that, uh, avid did with pro tools 11 is they no longer support 32 bit, um, RTAS or AAX plugins, which is what most plugin companies out there have been uh, shipping for a long time. Um, so the new format is a 64-bit AAX plugin. Mm -hmm. And of all the stuff I have, there are very few plugins that are in that format. None of the Waves stuff is available in that format yet. Um, I have some of the Steven Slate tools, and those are not available in that format. Uh, as far as I know, the Universal Audio plugins, which are also really popular, are not yet available. 
So all those developers are working on getting, you know, plugins for this new format. Um, and the new format has a ton of advantages. But for now, because Avid recognized that people couldn't get by without being able to use those plugins. Right. For the first time ever, they are supporting what they call co-installs. So you can have Pro Tools 10 installed alongside Pro Tools 11. Okay. So I have both versions on my machine. And when I opened something that I did a month ago that was using a lot of those plugins I have, um, then I am opening that in Pro Tools 10 still. But new projects, I'm going out of my way to start and work in 11. And I'm constraining myself to only using the plugins that I have available on 11. Okay. Does that make, did you follow that? I did not follow it too, too well, but I, I would lo- I, I, I'm sorry. There, there's, there's a lot of 10s and 11s and co-installs going on there that I'm not really quite sure exactly what happened. Uh, so the, the too long didn't read version is I have both Pro Tools 10 and 11 on my machine. I got that. I got that part. And some stuff I still have to open in 10 and some stuff in 11 because not all of my plugins work with 11 yet. They will eventually soon. Um, but so what's really interesting about that is I've done a couple, a couple things, you know, I'm doing this podcast in 11 and I've done a couple of simple, um, music mixes in 11 and I'm basically using the plugins, the EQs, the compressors that Avid supplies with Pro Tools. I'm not using all that fancy stuff that I have accumulated over right. 10 years of Pro Tools work. Um, and it's pretty functional, you know, it, it's That's not cool. terrible. Yeah. There's a couple things I really miss having. Um, but for the most part I am getting by without all that stuff. And I kind of wonder if maybe, um, maybe I'm focusing more on how things sound just because the tools I have to, I, I'm instead of losing myself in my tools, instead of trying to pick the right EQ out of 10 EQs, Mm-hmm. I'm putting the one EQ I have on and then I'm using it. That's probably pretty decent. I mean, it's like the fact that you're actually able to work within the constraints of the, like without all the fancy shit that you, that, that you've accumulated is actually kind of nice, isn't it? I mean, does that actually speed up the process of using pro tools? Uh, a little bit. I mean, it's not like the application itself runs faster for it, but, um, Instead no, of I'm me spending, yeah, instead of me right, spending your a process, bunch of time yeah. picking yeah. Uh, an EQ or a compressor, I'm using the one compressor, or I'm trying both compressors I have and picking one. Um, so it, it's cool. It's kind of refreshing. It's like, I think I've always told you when we work in a room with an analog desk, I like that because the tools are so constraining yeah, that I can really quickly arrive at what I think is the best sound, and I stop obsessing about, um, well, I, I could try this other thing, and I could I try this I, other thing. I think that's a lot of the reason why I like it too. Yeah. <laughs> the const- the constraints make for better creativity. Yeah. By the way, I just watched The Doors last night. What a terrible band! Oh wait, when you say The Doors, is that a documentary or what? No, no, I watched Oliver Stone's movie The Doors, starring Val Kilmer. Okay. It made it made me like Jim Morrison The Doors even less. Val Kilmer, however, it made me like him more. You know, I yeah, 
Val Kilmer is uh, between Top Gun, Tombstone. Mm. Um, did you see uh, what was the movie he did with Johnny Depp where he plays uh, Detective Gay Perry? Oh, no, that wasn't with Johnny Depp. That was Robert Downey Jr. Sorry, that's what I meant. Kiss, Robert Downey kiss, Jr. Kiss, bang, bang. That's such a good movie. It is. It's a great movie. I, I love Val Kilmer. Um, Val Kilmer's awesome. And he did a great job playing Jim Morrison in the movie and, and after the movie, I think there's, you know, obviously disputes over whether any of it was true or not. So I did watch another documentary on, on the doors and Oh my God, that band was so fucking annoying. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's like the dude was like a rabid egomaniac. I mean, I sorry, I'm talking about this cause we were talking about analog stuff and I thought about bands and I literally just watched this last night. And, you know, I mean, I actually have an admiration speaking of analog things for their keyboard player. They didn't oh, have yeah. a bass player, and he used that Rhodes bass mm-hmm. keyboard. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, I think that the organ got a little annoying after a certain point in time. There's just a lot of it going on. I agree. But, Too much. But, yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's probably part of the reason why I don't really dig it as much, the doors in general. But I have an admiration for the fact that he was doing all the bass lines and a lot of the lead, lead lines just mm-hmm. himself. And it was all with Rhodes in an in, in, in organ. And I think that that's really cool. But oh my god, that band was so fucking annoying. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's like I, I, you know, they try they try to glorify this dude. Uh, what, what's the line that he's a drunken buffoon posing as a poet? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. It's like his lyrics wasn't weren't poetry. It was just ramblings of some dude who was fucked up ninety nine percent of the time. And then, and then what blew my mind. Sorry, we'll get back to an actual discussion in a second. I finally the alcohol has taken t- taken control of me. Um, <laughs> and then what blew my mind is: Did you know that the Doors were the first? They they claimed that they were the first band to achieve. I think it was like six or eight gold records in a row. And really? they they sold. Did you realize how big the Doors were? I knew they were huge. I didn't realize that they they had that gold record record. Yeah, I actually don't think it's true. They're saying that in the documentary, and I actually looked this up, and the Stones have had gold records in the United States since, like, 1963. Every single record has been at least gold Okay. for, for the Stones. So I don't actually know. It's a, I'm sure there's some, like, um, what you call it, like, like, technicality that the doors have over it, you know. But it's just insanely... It's, it's just annoying that they hold any sort of records, and they just... They, they actually sold like millions and millions. Like this, I think they sold over a hundred million albums. Yeah. People were into that shit. I know. My dad loves the doors and your dad loves the doors. Yeah. 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 I, I can't, we're going to get the hate mail coming in. I, uh, I've <laughs> never, I appreciate them, but I don't, I just, I'm not really into it. I will field all hate mail for this one right. because I, I have, I despise the doors. It's like they have one song that I enjoy and it has nothing to do with them. It's because I like the string arrangement on it. Mm. It's, it's the song touch me and it has a really nice string arrangement over the chorus. Apparently they hated that song. <laughs> so it makes me even happier that it, that's the one song of theirs that I like. Yeah. It yeah. really uh, shores up your feelings yep. there. Absolutely. I know what it was is that they were the first band to have six platinum albums in the United States in a row. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and, and that and, you know, it's like they they were. It's like you know, even the Stones didn't do that. The Stones have had gold a gold record in the United States since 1964. I mean, every single one of their albums has at least gone gold, hmm. but they, but they did they did not achieve that one that the Doors did. 
Weird. Yeah, I know. I because I, I was watching this movie, and continually they showed these scenes of like people like losing their shit for the doors, and I'm like, oh, this just must be a movie, you know? Yeah. You know, dramatizing it. Apparently, people really did lose their shit for the doors. Hmm. I did not know that. Do you remember the episode of Entourage with Val Kilmer? No, but I bet it was incredible. I also don't remember it, but I'm on IMDb and looking at Val Kilmer's uh, complete, what do they call it? Filmography? Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was on an episode of Entourage. When I was younger, I think I liked Entourage significantly more than I like it today. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I think that it just kind of lost some of its luster. Oh yeah, but, but but Val Kilmer, however, has not. <laughs> I, th- I think that dude is fucking hysterical. I mean, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and and um, and Top Gun, you know, kind of solidify and Tombstone solidify the fact that that dude is awesome. Yeah, I think I think his delivery in Tombstone is what sold me on him. Anyhow, right. I, appreciate, I appreciate the Doors for their analog uh, for 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 the, that keyboard thing, but oh my god, what in incessantly indescribably incomprehensibly annoying band <laughs> that's probably a great point to wrap it up yeah we really diverged on the end there but i i, I kind of picked up some steam no man i, I didn't want to interrupt i didn't want to get in the way of that it was like a preacher you know i just started like you know going on about it yeah man if anybody wants to write me hate mail about that please feel free i think that my twitter handle is keith reed oh yeah or you can just write to Analog Bias, and I will field any hate mail that you have because I don't like the doors. <laughs> yeah, so you can uh, direct that to at Keith Reed, or you can find um, the site for this podcast at analogbias.com. And you can find me at Jeff Vaughton on Twitter. And uh, in fact, any hate mail that you write to Jeff about this, I will still respond to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just forward I, it along to you. I, I have I have such animosity towards the doors. I've gotten into these arguments so many times. I do not understand how people can really accept them as some sort of fucking Masonic. Is that Messiah? Masonic? Some uh, whatever like Masonic. Gun- I think is Freemasony. Yeah, yeah, Freemason ish. Yeah, but people worship these dudes, man. They weren't that good. <laughs> they just weren't that good. If you want psychedelia. I mean, listen to some real fucking psychedelic bands. God you, damn it. You listen sound really angry about this. I am. I think like, that movie made me angry. It's like you, you, you watch it and it's, I mean, given Val Kilmer does a killer job being a complete dickhead, but then you're like, all right, well, he can't clear. He clearly can't be that much of a dickhead in real life. It's like, you're like, this is just a movie. But you he know, was. Well, then I watched the other documentaries about him and he was so there about the doors. And it's like, you can tell the dude was just so full of himself. Yeah, I believe it. And it's just, you know, and again, it's, it's just the idea that there are people out there, there are musicians out there that, you know, are just insane egomaniacs, but they, all right. I think one of my favorite examples of an insane egomaniac that I still really have a vast appreciation for It's actually just recently sparked again was, is Ryan Adams. He's, he's an egomaniac. He's, he's out of his mind. Yeah, but, but he writes some good songs. Oh my god, it's like you you still listen. It's like, you know, he his you could call him prolific. Mm-hmm. His out, his output is pretty stunning. But and, you know, and some of it's not good. 
but what's good about what's good in there is really really good <laughs> like lyrically musically melodically everything about it when he gets into it it's really good yeah have i told and, you my theory about emmy lou harris is it that ryan adams just wants to be graham parsons it's it's not but it's that uh, anything emmy lou harris sings backup on i love oh yeah i've never i've never found an exception to that rule um and heartbreaker uh which one is it uh sweet carolina yeah mm-hmm. um I, that record that whole record i think emmy lou emmy lou's vocals on the one track just like tie the whole record together yeah i mean emmy, emmy, emmy lou's beautiful i mean she's wonderful and you know but he's an example of somebody and there's you know you know, hundreds, I'm sure, of examples of egomaniacs in rock and roll or music in general. You know, I mean, I think Pavarotti was like the biggest pig of, of them all. And, you know, clearly the dude is a brilliant opera singer. But, you know, it's like with Ryan Adams, it's like you have this guy who acts absolutely out of his goddamn mind. Mm. But when, it get, when you boil it down to like his 12 best songs, they're incredible. I mean, yeah. they're just absolutely incredible. You know, and then when you get to the doors... You know, it's like you have this dude who's an egomaniac telling everybody that he's like this fucking poet laureate of nonsense. And you listen to their music and it's just rambling bullshit. I mean, it's like it doesn't go anywhere. There's no point to it. There is no point to it. There's no emotional connection. And I'm, I'm really upset about this. I'm sorry. We should probably wrap this up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I've been ranting about the doors for probably about 10 minutes now. I think so. I'm, I mean, I'm glad you got it out of your system. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the, I, I, I totally forgot I watched that last night. That's how forgettable the doors are. Sorry, that's just. But I, but then I get. I have nothing because I've never seen it. So you should watch it it's on Netflix. You should watch it. I don't think I want to now that you have. Uh, well, I guess you weren't panning the movie. You were just no. The movie was great. Okay. No, the, the movie was great. I mean, it was a really interesting movie. It's long. It's over two hours. All right. But I mean, it's it's a good movie. I mean, Oliver Stone's always an interesting director to watch, and I mean, Billy Idol's in it. Oh, weird. <laughs> right. Billy Billy Idol's in it. You get Val Kilmer. You get Meg Ryan. I don't know. It's it's a good. It's a really good movie. It was it was well done. It's just more about the fact that I, I feel like that the door. It's like watching it, saying, "Oh no, nobody could be this fucking bizarre and ego egomaniacal." And then watching these documentaries later, because for some reason there are some doors kick on Netflix. Okay. And then watching these you know documentaries afterwards, I mean, like, yeah, this dude was out of his fucking mind. Everybody was telling him he was like the handsomest motherfucker out, and everybody was telling him that he was like this genius poet. Yeah, and he believed everything, hmm. <laughs> and he just took it. But all right, I'm going to take that as homework. I'm going to watch watch that. Absolutely. I mean, I and you know, I even have Two Doors records on vinyl. I have Morrison Hotel and the self titled one. I just have them, mm-hmm. and I've never even listened to them. I think I kind of want to listen to them now just to reaffirm, and then burn them. Ah, no, I can't, man. I mean, I, sh- I should give them to somebody who's actually going to appreciate them. Like every time I, it's like I, they're the they're the type of records that I want in my collection just because they're re- yes. like they're records to have in your collection because they're like, you know people seem like oh the Doors that's a cool record, but I hate them. I hate the Doors. <laughs> Similar to like I don't like Elvis Costello in the, in the in the attractions. I like Elvis Costello as a person. He seems like a cool dude. But I have that album Armed Forces, and I've just decided I'm giving it away to a friend because. 
I, I tried listening to it the other day and I think I got halfway through a song and I just realized that I hated the album, that I just don't <laughs> like anything about it, that it's just, it doesn't resonate with me. And so why not trade it for something that I actually do like? That's a totally reasonable position to take. Mm-hmm. And I bet I could trade those two Doors albums for something really cool, actually. That's true. You, you could. You should, you should look at that. I know. I could actually probably leverage those albums because those are albums people want. If anybody listening wants those records from Keith, <laughs> let <laughs> him know. Respond and have a good offer. I'm trading them hopefully for other vinyl is, is, is what I'm looking for. Preferably Old Soul, Delphonics, The Spinners, Al All Green. Right. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> so. All right. Let's wrap it up here. All right. <laughs> we'll call it a week and, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll come back with another one uh, two weeks from now, hopefully. And we should apologize for missing last week. <laughs> I don't think anybody's really caring about the fact that we're really very loose with our. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think a schedule is good and a commitment is good, but we'll be back in two weeks. We will be back in two weeks. All right. All right, Jeff. It's been good talking to you. Talk to you soon. Later, buddy. Bye.